Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we welcome Sylvia Sylvia, Executive Director of the Asbury Park Chamber of Commerce, and we talk about how businesses have been adapting to life under COVID, the unfortunate closure of some great Asbury businesses, the surprising launch of several new businesses, and will it still be called Oyster Fest if we ever reopen? Welcome, Sylvia. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the Deputy Mayor of the City of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark, so subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. Route 35 to Convention Hall. As Barry Pod covers it all. As Barry Pod, I love you. I love you. Okay, so good evening, everybody. It's February 3rd. Um, welcome to Asbury Pod. Um, amazing, and, and one of my favorite people on tonight, which is um, Sylvia Sylvia from the Asbury Park Chamber. I'm going to ask Joe how your week was before we go into um, <laughs> this devastation of COVID and small business. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to have a job, right? So I had a lot, you know, I had a, uh, Rutgers just started its spring semester, so we were pretty busy. So things slowed down a little bit today because uh, the first couple weeks are done. But from about uh, October till yesterday, things were kind of nuts. So. Um, and is Rutgers, they're not a mega site for vaccines or anything, are they? Not yet. Um, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I haven't heard that we are. Brookdale is going to be in Monmouth County, but I don't know if Rutgers is going to be. But we could. I'm not sure. I have not heard yet. We're just trying to figure out in Asbury how to get the, um, the vaccines out to um, the demographic of people who actually live in Asbury Park, which has proven to be far more difficult than I think, and, and, and nationally far more difficult than, um, than we realized, including we've now hired a staff member whose sole you know, part-time job is to, to register people to try to get the vaccines. But that's all I got. So let's jump to... Sylvia, Sylvia, which, um, Sylvia, I'd love if you just gave like a little intro, you know, who you are, how you made it to the chamber, um, you know, how we, we also have people who just kind of talk about your relationship with Asbury Park, who I know you're, you know, you're obviously very passionate about it. You want to just go into, go into a little bit of that? Sure, absolutely. As long as you promise to like cut me when I ramble, because you know I ramble. Uh, one of us will cut you when you ramble, not to worry. (laughs) That's the deal then. Um, I actually started off my career after college. My first job in the late 80s was on Cookman. Um, Back then, it was, um, there's Mr. Fashion and uh, Boater Magazine. I worked for Boater Magazine. Um, It was a very different um, environment than it is now. Um, I grew up in Long Branch, so I don't think I've ever lived more than four miles away from where I am right now anyway, Um, and uh, definitely a frequent guest to Asbury Park, and then things changed when I was about five years old, and I didn't really know why until much later. Um, Then uh, I went on to work in uh, New York City in advertising and marketing. New York lost its mystique for me when you live there. It's not quite as cool as it is in the movies. Um, I came back and um, decided to work in nonprofits. So I worked running nonprofits, um, the public relations and marketing at Family and Children's Service and a number of other things for probably 
let's see, I'm going to be 107 in May. So <laughs> probably for the last 70 years, I've been uh, running 501c3 nonprofits. And um, so when the Asbury Park Chamber position opened up, I got an email notification from Indeed. Uh, and I was um, I was running public relations and and I was the grant appropriations person for Ocean Township at that time. And I had been offered a, an executive director position for another nonprofit um, that I was really excited uh to start, and I had actually said yes. I don't even want to say which one because then I because I feel badly. Um, I applied to the chamber, um, having absolutely no idea what a 501c6 was, and like the rest of the world, I thought a chamber was a part of the city. Um, I found out that it is not. It's a nonprofit, and no, um, and I think that's pretty common, Sylvia. I think people everybody. get confused um all the time and you know um you know Matt's part of it comes to our business committee meetings and you come like there there is a peer I think it's great that you brought that up and I think it's great for our for our listeners to hear that that the chamber actually other than having a great relationship with the city and maybe coordinating on things that we can coordinate on completely different entities yes we are we're a a non-profit membership organization, but we work, like Amy said, we work very closely with the city. Our, our mission is to support um, the economic health of our member businesses, but the Asbury Chamber is, I like to say we're kind of a hybrid chamber. We're not as buttoned up as traditional chambers because that's not really the atmosphere that works in Asbury, um, and I'm very fortunate that I have you know, the board that I have, they let us be more of a, a part of the tapestry of the community. So, and and Amy, you know very well, when you are a part of the business community or the resident community in Asbury Park, you're part of it all. It's all um, part and parcel with each other. So we try to uh, fill the gap of um, having a tourism department of the city um, and also uh, do our mission, which is to support the, uh, the business community, but also to support the school districts um, and, and the residents wherever it's appropriate and we can try to make connections and, and we are um, uh, advocates. I think that's probably the, the best word for us. We're an advocate for the business community and the city. Um, because the success of one really helps the success of the rest. So that's kind of our mindset. Sylvia, when I uh, was doing some research today, I came across um, your bio on the state board, I mean, the state board of ed. So you remember the state board of ed as, as well. And you have about 20 bullets there of other things that you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at the last, it says uh, six children. So I'm trying to figure out you know, how many hours are in your day. Uh, you know, <laughs> So Amy and I have 24 that we work with uh, from I'm guessing here that you've got some special arrangement with the universe for, you know, 36 <laughs> to 48. I know. mentioned I'm 107 <laughs> years old, right? <laughs> right. So. <laughs> it's not more hours. It's more years. Um, right. I actually I'm very lucky um, with our kids. Uh, we learned early on that you really only have to raise the first one <laughs> that right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then he'll do the next, <laughs> next and the next. And then you get a really good return on that crib. You buy a good crib once and you're going to just, you, so the more kids you have, it's mm. really just more financially beneficial for you. Well, and I, they just take care of each other. I didn't want to, no, I, 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 not even your, your the children. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, Human Services Council, Towns of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Township of Ocean Certified Emergency Response Team, the Rotary Salvation Army Advisory Council, uh, Sheriff Department Advisory Council. You know, so aside from that, you know, that's 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 the thing I was just uh, you. Know, I think she this also is a, was a board member in Ocean Township, a board of ed member for many years. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, Sylvia, is like the diversity of businesses in Asbury Park is probably really different than most of the other towns in Monmouth County. I mean, we have bars, we have restaurants, we mm -hmm. have nonprofits, we have um, framing stores, galleries, uh, pop-up, seasonal, full, full year. So 
So kind of mastering the the really kind of diverse group of businesses that we have in Asbury Park, you know, Main Street has its own set of issues, downtown has its own set of issues, and Waterfront has its own set of issues. And, and what was brought to us during the pandemic when we were trying to figure out how to support businesses and either closing down, you know, downtown wanted the streets closed down, the Waterfront didn't want the streets closed down, Main Street wanted the streets closed down, but we couldn't close them down because we don't own Main Street, that's a state, you know, a state street, DOT wouldn't let us close that down. And I'm not sure that we, you know, that that one would have required a little bit more thought on our uh, on our process. But anyway, I say all that to say, Asbury is not a, a easy town in terms of you know, this kind of the same set of businesses throughout the town. It's it's different businesses, different parts of town, different needs, different, you know, all of that. Yeah, you hit it right, hit the nail right on the head. That's that phrase, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one of the really unique things about Asbury Park is they're primarily owner-operated businesses or small businesses. Um, they're not a ton of big conglomerates, so it's... Um, they're very unique types of businesses. You don't see them all over the place. I, I don't know another like walk-in glass blowing place where I can just go in. Like, I, I've never saw that any place. I've seen places that that do glass blowing and then they sell that, but you can't go in and do it. You can do that in Asbury Park. And it's just an idea that I can't I can't even believe somebody had that idea. And it's just such an amazing thought to have. And that's the kind of, of entrepreneurs that we have in Asbury Park. Um, but like Amy said, it's all very unique. Everybody's got their own set of, of needs and skills and bring, and brings different things to, to the atmosphere. But I, I like to say that having all of these kids was kind of like boot camp for being the chamber director in Asbury. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you have to treat all your kids the same but they all have different personalities. And the one whose hair is on fire is the one that you're paying attention to right now. Um, at the end of the day, though, you have to make sure that you have supported them all equally and given everybody what they need. And um, it's 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 a learning curve, certainly. And it's a curve that kind of changes all of the time as well because the atmosphere changes. Look at what's happening right now. It used to be that we had to be mindful of our marketing for the different sections of town, but also wanting to make it um, present as one unified town because that's important too. Um, and and that's that, difficult. I don't know that people get how difficult that that is, and the city struggles with that as well. How to how to uh, illustrate the diversity of the town and the different vibes of say. Uh, Main Street and the waterfront, but also present that to people as a unified town, because for so long it's been, you know, thought of as this kind of divided town. But, you know, I, I feel like we jumped a little bit and in that I, I didn't even ask you the state of the chamber right now, which is We're I mean, still kind of closed, but not. Okay. Like to say we're, we're um, meaning you're so, you're doing work but not getting paid is my guess. <laughs> Don't tell my husband that. Just going to start asking where all the uh, money in the checking accounts going. Um, I, um, you know, the thing is that we because we are um, we rely on the ability for people to gather and to be able to charge them to do that. <laughs> and, People can't gather right now. It's not safe, obviously, and it's also not legal. Um, but we are, and you know, we're a we're a force of two people. It's um, my assistant director Matt Whelan and and me, and we try to make ourselves um, seem bigger than a, than a force of two. And I've, again, I've got great volunteers in my board, but um, we are working from home. We've been haven't been in our office. I think I've been in there twice since the the stay at home order back in uh, in March. I think we stayed we, we stayed open uh, officially for about four weeks until we realized that this is just not going to be that short of a time, and we were just draining whatever resources we had. Um, so now we've still been doing what we do. Um, we are prepared in every way with different scenarios once things open back up again to be able to offer um, networking opportunities and events that bring people 
into Asbury Park, but the what we what we've been the challenge has been for the these last 10 months is we needed to make sure that there were enough people spending their their um their funds in Asbury Park so that our businesses could survive. But we also didn't want to be responsible for bringing millions of people here so that we could be a, a super spreading town. It's just not it, not the ethical thing to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I would say before referring to the before times, right? I, I had been. Uh, I like the way I've already said that right. earlier. I love that. Uh, Asbury Chamber events are something people would be interested in going to. You know, I had in part part of my work, I had been invited to multiple events. You know, we had a professionally to go to various chambers around uh, the state, and almost all of those events were, you know, you know, mindless, uh, uh, unbelievably boring. You know, I, I never wanted to go, they, and they would call them galas, and I'm like, oh my god, there it's a gala, but. You know, uh, the Asbury uh, business community is, is, you know, not only very creative and interesting, uh, but also, um, you know, they bring that dynamic into the chamber events, which is not, which is unusual, right? I think, you know, Amy had mentioned that before, the Asbury chamber seems to operate a little bit differently, you know, um, you know, your events at the, at the train station and things like that. And it's a lot of creative uh, and interesting things going on. And you, you look at the membership list too, you know, from, um, you know, uh, business like glass blowing. Jeff's Jeff Jeff plates uh, brewery. You know, you have a lot of really. Jeff's actually on my board. <laughs> yeah, this I mean, yeah, I just looked at your board members. Like, Jeff's on the board, and uh, yeah, he should be right because he's a really a restlessly creative person, right? And uh, that he and, is. And uh, and 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 so that's it, it's for the business community of Asbury. It couldn't be a better advocate, I guess. And um, and it it shows that ref, you know the chamber reflects the town a little bit, at least the nature of the business community itself. One of the struggles you must be having, Sylvia, is also, I mean, one events that, that help fund the chain, chamber, your big, big events, or at least what I perceive as your big, big events, you can correct me if I'm saying something wrong on that, are the Oyster Fest, the Carousel Awards. I mean, the, 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 um, I would imagine the, the, the smaller kind of gatherings aren't, aren't doing major funding, but your carousel and your, um, and your uh, Oyster Fest are one get tons, you know, hundreds, if not certainly the Oyster Fest gets thousands of people at it. And and without that, both um, kind of in the papers and 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 getting people talking about the chamber, it's a major, you know, fundraising event for you guys now. Yeah, it is. It's um, I, our, our two biggest events of the year are the Oyster Fest, which we're transitioning to Asbury Park Fest because not everybody comes to Asbury for oysters, <laughs> but um, everybody does come for all the cool things that, that are at the festival. But we get like 25,000 people over three days. Um, and our other big event is our restaurant tour, um, which sells out every year. And I'd say that they're about, those two events probably generate about 75% of our revenue. Um, and describe the restaurant uh, tour, Sylvia, just in case people don't sure. know. And, and that's, and, and I'm glad you, you asked me to describe it because we have to, when we do events, we have to make sure that our events are supporting our mission, which is to bring people into Asbury and show Asbury Park off and also generate the revenue that we need to be able to do the things that we do. So when we came up with restaurant tour, that is not the same as, as typical restaurant tastings where you have the restaurants bring their food to a central location, but ours is um, usually about 30 restaurants throughout the whole city. And um, it's a ticketed event. You get a wristband and a map. And um, it's a four hour event where you just go to each restaurant and you try a sampling of something that they want highlighted. We have buses to keep everybody um rotating around the entire city. Some people like to ride their bikes. Some people like to walk. Um, but while you're going from restaurant to restaurant, you're also noticing that there is, um, oh, there's the stone pony or there is, you know, the glass blowing studio or the um, paint and sip or other things. There are retail places full of ginger. People will see where they are and what a cool place Asbury is while they're going around doing their tasting. And same thing with, with Oyster Fest. 
Um, we have that at Bradley Park right in front of um, Convention Hall. So it's a really well-known area and everybody knows what Convention Hall looks like, but we also have a trolley that takes people um, at no fee. You can hop on and off throughout the whole city so that you can go downtown and see what we have down there. And you can go on the west side and go on Main Street and see all of the different flavors of the community. So we can't just do things that are solely to raise funds for us. It has to also support our mission. And then Carousel Awards, um, we kind of, we changed what that meant to our budget a few years ago, because that's really a celebration of our businesses and, and our community. So we don't necessarily use that as a big part of our revenue. If it breaks even, we're really, really happy. But what we want to do with that is celebrate with the community and show off what Asbury Park has achieved and, and the kind of people and businesses we have. When you think about the, uh, when as you were talking and you were sort of mentioning businesses, um, and may, maybe, uh, Amy, we can do a show about this in the future, but the number of women-owned businesses in Asbury Park is pretty remarkable, right? Especially in the restaurant industry, industry mm-hmm. like Medusa Tulula's, right? The Smith Group, yep. um, you know, Maryland's. Is. Oh, Maryland. Uh, I have an entire yeah. list. I think a couple of years ago, I made a list of all the, the woman-owned uh, businesses in Asbury Park. Um, and then all the, yeah, all the shops. And that seems remarkable. I'm not sure if that's unusual. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it until recently. And I was like, you know, every, every one of these businesses I, I, I patronize and Bianca's interwoven, like, you know, um, Kathy Kelly. Yeah, we can, the list can go on. It's, you know, is that unusual statewide or, you know, if, you know, in terms of our small businesses, um, you know, are women so well represented in businesses outside of Asbury? And what about Asbury that made it so friendly? To, you know, now I'm just hard. randomly naming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there's well, always, so it, one it, thing I'm going to say yeah. to that point, Joe, is when we were doing the, and you, and you, we did the podcast for the women's convention for 2020. Right. We had to cancel mm-hmm. it. That was like one right. of, it was in March. That was the last one the before events. the shutdown. Yeah. So one of the events for that was us mapping out all the women owned businesses. So people, could, you know, people who wanted to be highlighted, we, we had a map that mapped out stop at Danny B and then parlor and then interwoven and wh- wherever, wh- wh- whatever, mm-hmm. we, Reggie's and, and yeah, um, all of these businesses. Yeah. It was an obscene amount of women owned businesses that we were um, toast that we were highlighting um, an obscene amount of women owned business. So I've seen it. And, and obviously I'm saying that in a positive way, but in a good way. yeah, it was like, <laughs> see, as all of our, all the only place where you can say obscene in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's the only way we can get the point across. <laughs> Otherwise we don't know what you're talking so about. So I don't know. So, so to Joe's point, is that common? Anecdotally, I would have to say no. And, you know, certainly I haven't, done like a formal survey, but now I'm going to um, around um, the rest of the state. But I don't think I, and I, and I, I travel the city, I mean, the state an awful lot. Um, I don't think I've seen another city that has this many woman owned and woman run businesses, because even the ones that are not owned, like Stone Pony, um, you know, Caroline runs yeah. Stone Pony and she has for nearly 20 years. Um, we've and they're got, successful too. They're yeah, all really super yep. successful, smart businesses. And uh, that's the, um, not surprised, just the, the concentration is what's interesting. Yeah, no, we have, you know, and then you've got uh, Debbie Delissa. You've got, now I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to keep naming <laughs> random. But I think, um, you know, if I had to attribute it to anything, it's probably to Amy. They all knew that Amy was, <laughs> they came and opened up their businesses. They um, and, and I say that half jokingly, but Amy, you really, you set an, an atmosphere that, and, and the rest of the council as well. And, and, and you know, I, <laughs> I don't run for anything, so I don't have to kiss things. But um, <laughs> honestly, you know, once I stopped running for Board of Ed and got appointed, I don't have to run for anything anymore. So I can just say things that I mean now. And you guys, you have, and I know I've said this to you before, you have such a unique um, and, and community reflecting council um, you're very welcoming and you set an atmosphere and I, that I think um, results in what we have now, what we have now oh, is well, a place you. where people know that they can come. And even, like I sometimes have felt like I am the land of misfit toys, but the land of misfit toys fits in Asbury Park. 
you can be successful there. Well, Amy and I use that phrase all the time. We met when we were living in the Santander and the Santander in the early, uh, you know, but prior to 2010, we used to call the Island of Misfit Toys. It's where everyone in Asbury Park has sort of washed up, you know, and, and landed after prior to the explosion. So, you know, that's 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 a good phrase for Asbury. It is, and it's it, and again, just like like using obscene to mean something good, the Land of Misfit <laughs> Toys, um, referring to Asbury Park like that, is really something good. It's part of what I think brings such cohesion and also makes people think this is a place I can go, I can fit in and um, and I can be successful. Even if my idea is crazy, it could work here. That should be the new chamber oh, slogan, you know, be, be the Charlie in the box. Oh, I love that. <laughs> be the Charlie in the box, come to Asbury Park. <laughs> I think for us, it's what like when, when we'll read online and you know, the internet can be horrible. And people be like, oh, well, the Esbury Park Corrupt Council lining their pockets. I'm always like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Amy's like, where do, where do I sign you, up for that corruption? Exactly. I drive a 2010 <laughs> Hyundai. Let me know when I can line my pockets and upgrade my car to like a 2015. <laughs> and that would be wonderful for me. Um, so I, I do, I, I'm going to just have us get a little bit, because Joe and I, and we've talked about this a lot, kind of talked about, as many people, we all thought back in March of 2020, this was going to be a couple of weeks. Yep. We were going to all regroup. Uh, the president at the time said this was magically going to go away in April and um, mm-hmm. we were all going to resume our lives. And clearly that hasn't happened. We've lost a couple of businesses along the way, Modines. And what was one of the most heartbreaking ones for me was the showroom. Mm-hmm. Because when I love the movies and I love Mike and Nancy and love everything about the movies. So can we talk to you a little bit about some businesses that have opened during the pandemic? Cause I know some have, you know, and your experience and talking to them, how they've done it. Um, you know, what, what they need from us to, to stay open. Um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I will tell you, we had Russell and we should have Russell and Bianca back on. And they really talked about this pivoting they have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, is, it is that's a the word. pivot. Yep. to to figure out, you know, a constant kind of rebranding your business, which, uh, you know, I think they've both done a great job. I mean, Russell's closed down for until the spring, but, you know, they've both pivoted. But I, I say all that to say, I'd love to hear your experience with some of the new businesses, Macrobytes, that have kind of opened up and what you're kind of seeing on the horizon. I love those guys. Um, I, um, yes, I, I think the, um, probably the best, um, uh, word to describe our our merchant community is um, is pivot. They have it's like especially in in the first few months. Every time um, they would change their model or or try to do what was now going to be the way to comply. Um, um, seemed like a second later, they had to pivot again and pivot again. And, and they just did. They just, whether it was now curbside pickup only and, and like you've seen Kimmy from uh, Confections of a Rockstar. Um, she is probably one of the most flexible people I've ever seen. She just changes every single time she has to. There's never a complaint from any of them, they just do what they have to do. And they all know that if they can survive this coming out of it, they will they will thrive. Um, but right now it's a matter of making sure that you're still here for the thriving part, um, which brings me to uh, what the subject was is the new businesses. There is probably very little that is more inspirational than seeing somebody that says, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to open a business in the middle of a pandemic. Like what kind of drive must you have? And what kind of passion must you have for what you do? If you're not going to just say, you know, I think I'm going to wait six months. Um, And we've had, we've had several, we've had, I think the first one that opened up during the pandemic was um, uh, Sweetwater. Uh, That was, I remember doing that ribbon cutting and it was just, it was, um, let's say that was back in the end of May or June. 
And it was just, I was, I was so excited to have one. And we did it all masked up and Tom Arnone came and it was really magnificent. Um, we've had several since then. There's Ghost Harbor. Well, I just want to, let me hold on to Sweetwater for a second. So not, all, I mean, it's one thing to kind of open a business. They revamped that whole space. That was not a space that had a kitchen or, you know, food preparation. It was the old Robert Legere's. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they put a substantial amount of money into those renovations. It's an, it's an amazingly beautiful space. I, I, I've been there often. The Thank owners God. are the loveliest yeah. people on the planet yeah. and it has amazing desserts. Um, but that was, that wasn't, and I'm sure that maybe that had started pre-pandemic, but this mm-hmm. was not like a pop-up. This was a oh, total, was a nearly lot. gut job on, on what was there previously. I think they were working um, to try to open for probably over a year, um, but it, it didn't, it didn't seem like at any point they just said, you know what, this is just not going to be the time for us to do this. They put in their work, their heart, their souls were in there and they just moved forward with it. And they're, they're really magnificent. They're just, they're terrific guys. It's a great space. Um, once we can gather again, I'm fully planning on doing something um, in their space. Um, they fit just so nicely into the community. Um, and then we've got, uh, I, I mentioned um, Ghost Harbor Creative. Uh, that's a nonprofit. Uh, she teaches writing and she's got this beautiful space um, over on Bangs. Um, we've got Jersey Shore Floors. They opened up right in, right in downtown um, flooring company. And we're going to do a ribbon. They opened up several months ago. We're going to hold off doing the ribbon cutting um, until the weather's nicer. Um, we've got uh, River Street Suites, also downtown. Fantastic candy. And I know fantastic candy. <laughs> As a local <laughs> expert. <laughs> and yes, that is like, I'm not great at a lot of things, but I am great at eating candy. Um, and then my recent most favorite is um, uh, Macro Bites. They are, there are three guys and they have this fantastic story. Um, they had, uh, <laughs> there's no other genteel way of putting it, but these were three guys that spent some time in jail, um, local local guys. Um, they decided that they were not going to live that life. They wanted to come and um, and and be better and be the men that they knew that they could be. And they started a a takeout healthy food um, meal prep company out of their own homes and now um the uh what used to be cool the cafe over on springwood avenue where my office is uh which is owned by uh interfaith neighbors they ran a program in the cool cafe to train um people for front of house jobs but they can't do that anymore um and so they partnered with these three fellas um uh lewis uh, Jarrett and Fritz, I think are the guys' names. Um, they partnered with these guys um, and they are now doing their meal prep. And I think as far as I know, they are the only um, healthy food takeout. Um, uh, well, they're not a restaurant. They don't serve inside um, uh, business in the uh, area and in, I think in within like a five or 10 mile radius of just purely healthy foods um, in an urban area like, like they are. And they're just, um, they're magnificent guys. They are now gonna be working on the workforce development with Interfaith Neighbors. So that training program that Interfaith used to do still will get done. It's just gonna get done in a different way, teaching, um, teaching young adults um, how to become entrepreneurs, and they're just they're just terrific guys and an inspirational story. And we did a, a really great grand opening on um, MLK Day. And these are the kinds of stories that are just so they're inspirational, and they they take you out of that sadness that everybody um, can feel. Certainly in, in any winter, but in the winter of COVID, this is. Um, I don't think any of us thought we were still going to be here. So you look for these kinds of stories and they're not hard to find in Asbury Park, but this one 
this one really just touched my heart. So we actually started a whole program of supporting um, of supporting businesses on the west side and giving um, memberships to the chamber to these new businesses because while it may only be $200 to join the chamber for a year, um, that's a lot when you're starting off. So we, we provided our first chamber scholarship for lack of a better term to um, Macrobytes. There's a bunch of, uh, a couple other businesses open up on the west side. You had the Soul Sisters Southern Cuisine I um, saw that when I drove past it. I haven't been in there yet. Another female-owned business, I think. Um, Mo's Kitchen just opened up on Sewell, um, which is Egyptian food. And, I think she's uh, a food truck, right? What's that? Yeah, I thought Mo's was a food truck. Is that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't no. been there. I just, I just saw the, I just saw the, uh, um, the Instagram stuff and sort of following. So I just saw the address, but I didn't know. I haven't been by there. And then lentil tree reopened under new ownership at the same at the same time during the COVID. So all these businesses in the middle of really probably the worst business climate in you know uh, 70 or 80 years uh, are, t- are taking the leap and it's interesting and they're, hopefully they're doing well. I mean, I'm, Amy and I are doing our best. I certainly, I'm trying to do my best to you know, support these restaurants. Like, you know, Cookman Creamery, I hadn't had ice cream in like a year before the pandemic. And now I, I, thanks to DoorDash, I have it all the time, you know. And, uh, you so one in. thing I, I was listening to a, a daily podcast about small businesses. It was, I think it was the daily anyway, or the journal, I forget. Anyway, I was listening to some podcast and it was, they were monitoring uh, a section of Brooklyn and they were talking about how they lost two or three businesses, but like 10 or so had, had, had opened during the pandemic. And I was thinking about Asbury park and obviously we've, we've lost several, we've lost two or three of them. Um, And some we've lost only temporary, you know, some are just closed down temporary. And then some I'm hearing are just, you know, really trying to hold on. And if they can get through the winter, you know, when we were having the brawl with Murphy about the um, indoor dining and and really trying to say this was not about indoor dining. This was about (coughs) guidance for indoor dining because our businesses needed to whatever, buy partitions, hire more staff. I never truly, I never thought he understood a shore business. He doesn't understand that in the winter, not many people are sitting at Langosta, not many people are sitting at at um, Stella or, you know, Brando's, what you name it, you know, in January and February, February on a weeknight, you know, we're sitting there, but, but other people aren't. And he just never, to me, it never felt like he understood the urgency for them to make a little bit of money from Memorial to labor. And then um, to kind of carry them through. I just, I, I felt like I was, I was yelling on deaf ears there um, when we were trying to get him to kind of move forward. I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but I, I say all of that to say, I say all that to say, even though we've lost, it sounds like more of open than what we've lost. I think you're right. I think we've definitely, um, and and again, I'm not, I'm not positive of every business um, that we've lost. I usually know certainly our member businesses, but I try to, even the the businesses that are not members, I do try to treat them all like they're like they're like they are members because I feel like a strong um, community lifts them all up. But um, to your point about Murphy, I don't know if you saw there's an annou- announcement today on Friday. Um, indoor dining restrictions will loosen up to 35% capacity, which I don't know if that's going to be like honestly. I'm going to, I'm going to bite my tongue a little bit because would I want to be leading a state during this? Absolutely not. At the same time, I feel as though the restaurant community is uniquely positioned to be more cautious. Um, They, they have to abide by health codes standardly. This is just more of it. And um, I think that if people were not being kind of forced to have big gatherings in their houses, maybe there wouldn't be so much, um, so much more spreading. I think we we've learned that that's where a lot of this stuff was happening. Um, but when that 10 o'clock curfew hit, I was like, if anybody can explain to me why it's safe to be there at seven 30, but not at 10, I'll literally eat my hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I said that in a couple of um, yeah. 
of interviews, but I, you know, because it's not uncommon to have a reservation at a restaurant at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, and you're not going to be out by 10. And I did understand that it was aimed more towards the late night bar atmosphere, but you have to at least let a restaurant stay open till 11 o'clock. And now, at least on Friday, that curfew will lift. Although I, I, I just, I don't know that the 35% over 25% is going to make a lot of difference in the bottom line. Anything is better, but the curfew might help. It certainly will help. Um, I don't, and I, I know, Amy, you've heard that Patsy's of New York is opening in, mm-hmm. um, in the Berkeley and they're opening this week. They're sold out through the end of February. I finally got a reservation for February 27th, but my reservation's at nine. And I was like, and this is before today. So I was like, hmm, nine, I'm going to have to be out of there by 10 o'clock. That might be an issue. But I'll just but, have the soup and some wine. Thank you. Exactly. To go. No, but, to go. <laughs> um, but now at least we can chill a little bit and enjoy our patsies. Um, And you bring up a great, uh, well, I was just going to, the one thing I'm going to mention is that Mary Lou Halverson, who is, um, and you, you, you'll know her title title better than me, but is kind of the head of the restaurant industry for lobbying. um, CEO and president of the New Jersey restaurant and hospitality association. Um, And her argument to us when this, we kind of had this drama unrolling, unraveling with Murphy about the we wanted guidance for these restaurants her her position to me was exactly what you said that these super spreader events are happening at people's houses and if you um allow them to and maybe not 100% but if you allow right. them at 50% or whatever and you allow them into restaurants so they're not all in their house under the same roof those restaurants are going to be safer than their house in the sense that they're going to be cleaned more they're going to be monitored for social distancing but her point was exactly your point which was we give us an opportunity to combat this idea that it's restaurants Right. This opportunity to, you know, see if these super spreader events decrease if you allow restaurants to do indoor dining at some sort of like 50 percent capacity because of all the health requirements. Right. Um, and, and she, she never had the opportunity. Yeah, she never got the opportunity. But that was her argument to, to Asbury Park in terms of um, that we should kind of keep fighting. We should keep fighting for guidance for Murphy, which I, which I thought was an interesting argument. I I don't know if it's correct or not. We never really got to see it play out, but I can tell you that um, I can, I can safely say, I think it's an interesting argument. I think the long-term. No, no, I I agree. I think that, um, you know, a table in itself gives you natural distance. People are not crowding. You're not allowed to get up and walk around in a restaurant. Um, If you go from your table to the restroom, you have to put on your mask. Um, And the the restaurants are experts in cleanliness. They already are. And now they've amped that up. Most restaurants have, um, you you, you have no touch menus. You just put your camera on a little code, on a QR code and the the menu comes up. Um, So the restaurants are very uniquely positioned to survive through this, but they have to be allowed to survive. And that 25%, you know, I've got some restaurants that their full capacity is like 12 people. And so 25% of that, they can't even open their doors. So they have to rely on the on the curbside um, pickup. And even that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna carry you through the whole summer and then the whole winter. Um, and again, I I would never want to be in the position of having to lead through this. Um, but also you have to kind of evaluate as you're going along. And I, I don't know that evaluations were coming fast enough with enough lead time for us to be able to um, adequately pivot. But somehow, you know, these these restaurant owners, these business owners, they they just kept going with the flow and we just kept and, trying to advocate for them. And the one other, and then, and then I'm going to drop this though. It, it, it's like my irritation a little bit with the governor was <laughs> he, he was putting this restriction on retail. So, so your position was correct, Sylvia, right? You say you put a bunch of people together and a bunch of booze and all of a sudden their mask is off. They're huffing and puffing in each other's faces and they're spreading COVID all over the place. Right. I love you, man. Argument. Love- right. <laughs> I totally get that argument. 
But then why is retail? Because nobody's drinking at Interwoven. Nobody's drinking it at the book cooperative and nobody's drinking at Kathy Kelly. So why is that subject to the same exact restriction as the restaurant, which was again, puzzling to me. They didn't even open up for curbside pickup for retail. When restaurants could do curbside pickup, retail wasn't supposed to be doing that came later. Um, I think Nobody realized it initially that they they were technically not supposed to. But also when you go shopping, you do want to go in. And when you go, you're not going shopping and spending an hour and a half in one aisle. You walk through, um, you see things, you buy them and you leave. Um, You know, and if we have to be um, concerned about overcrowding inside any particular retail, we'll deal with that. But yet to have 25 percent, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, and again, they pivoted there too. Their their spaces they moved around to make the aisles um, uh, more walkable and and not and and put their arrows through and have all the hand sanitizers. You know, our businesses do everything right, and um, I th- I felt like we could have had a little bit more of the luxury of allowing a couple more people to help us sustain ourselves. But, um, you know, and I think we're very lucky we didn't lose more yet. I don't know that that's going to be that we won't lose any others going down the pike. But I am very prayerful that we won't. I know we've got some, you know, we've got the PPP has come back out again. Hopefully that helps. Um, The NJEDA um, has the second phase of their emergency loans reopening on um, February 10th. You have to have to pre-register for that. And you mentioned DoorDash earlier and and um, the uh, New Jersey Restaurant and Hospitality Association. DoorDash has this huge grant program that they're running through um, uh, Mary Lou's uh, organization um, for restaurants, uh, twenty five hundred to six thousand dollars. I think it is per restaurant. You don't have to be a member of the um, NJRHA or use DoorDash and you can apply if you're a restaurant owner, you can apply. Um, So there are some like some sparks of light and grasping onto uh, ability to sustain yourself. Um, And hopefully that's going to be enough um, to get us through until the weather starts opening up a little bit. You raise a good point about DoorDash and Grubhub. Those are not those are expenses for the business owner. So they're a service for the customer, but DoorDash and Grubhub make money by charging the business for the partnership, which is, a, you know, that's a hurdle for a business. You know, like, I don't know, when I was a bartender, you know, Amex cards and things were too expensive for right. the bar, so we wouldn't accept an Amex. Yeah. The fee. So Grubhub and DoorDash are a bit, you know, are, I think are turning into interesting and Instacart are turning into interesting adaptions to the environment, yeah. but on the business owner, on the entrepreneur, it's a bit of an extra expense. So anything that can lower that cost for the right. partnership would be would be helpful. Yeah. Which is the nice thing is that you don't even have to use DoorDash to be able to qualify for for the grant. Because um, like, and, and, you know, and to your point, um, some businesses, it's, it, it cuts too much and some businesses, it helps so much because they can increase their um, sales by having those options. But whether you do or you don't, you can still qualify for for the grant. Um, and it looked like I, I looked at it. It looked like it was a pretty easy online application to do. So hopefully um, a lot of restaurants are going to participate in that. I like free money. Free money is my favorite kind of money. Well, that's my, you know, when I was looking at all the things that have been either the emergency uh actions taken to benefit to sort of save small businesses. It's remarkable how many of them are loans rather than grants. I mean, yep. loans are okay. Right. But you know, you know, you know, the businesses don't need loans. They need, they need minimum income to stay open. Right. And you see uh, places like Germany, you know, Germany has pledged 30 billion euros um, to help uh, businesses cover their fixed costs as their revenue goes down. Right. Cause their rent didn't go down. And, oh, yeah. and, it, and many of this, many of that, uh, much of that money is in the form of grants. So they're just trying to keep the doors open until they can. So yep. whereas in the US, they're, we're a little heavy on the PP, like a loan, which is great, but it's still a loan and is leveraging against future income and which is uh, problematic. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they're under the new administration, if they can sort of be, you know, provide more grant money for right. businesses just to well, keep that's the, the hope. 
the um, and SBA had those low interest loans. The PPP can be forgivable. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make sure that you use it the way that it's supposed to be used. I think they made it 65% um, payroll and the rest can go towards um, acceptable expenses like rent or um, uh supplies and things like that. And and if you qualify, that can be forgivable, or you can just use it as a 1% loan, which I know that some of the businesses did early on. Um, the chamber, actually, we didn't qualify because a 501c6 was not the same as a three. We didn't qualify for anything until this, this round of PPP came out. But to your point, um, I could have done loans, but I didn't want to do loans to to stay in business when I can just volunteer. <laughs> so so that's what we've been trying to do. It's not you know not ideal for any most other businesses, but you don't want to be strapped with a bunch of debt when you're and, trying to struggle to stay open. Right, that's going to be a drag on the reopening a little yeah, bit. You know, right? absolutely. And and I have to acknowledge, Sylvia, you did you've done zooms with attorneys to help small businesses on, you know, reopening plans and how to be safe with COVID. So, you know, the chamber has continued likely on all of your own dime to try to, you know, continue to keep our businesses, you know, going here in Esbury Park. The one thing I, I also have kind of felt, and I'd be curious what you think, Sylvia, you know, retails was a problem before the pandemic, right? Retail, well, it's like I have two kids, restaurants and retail, and or waterfront in downtown and somebody's not happy with somebody, right? So restaurants are saying the city's putting too much on retail. Retail saying the city only cares about restaurants and or downtown, the city only cares about downtown or the city only cares about the waterfront. Right. Right? Those are like these these constant questions that we are dodging and I, I, I none of them are true. So I say all that, that pre-pandemic retail was really, you know, limping a bit as is that with the pandemic, with the 25% inside, you know, this pivot to online sales, you know, the, and, and really, let's be honest, the discussion has been about restaurants, right? Restaurants reopening, restaurants reopening. Um, You know, I don't know what we do for our retail. I don't know how, you know, other than supporting them and shopping there, you know, with places like Amazon or with these kind of big conglomerates taking over, it's really hard to, to ensure that that equipment isn't bar 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 bar, right. which is not right. not what any of us want, right? We don't no. want bar rest, you know, bar restaurant, bar restaurant, bar restaurant. We want bookstores and clothing stores and, right. and glass yeah, Amazon. Flowing. Amazon's the hundred billion dollar gorilla in the room for retails. You know, you know, <sighs> people are spending, but they, you know, they're not going to the store. And I don't even think. I, I think and um, the owners of the showroom brought this up. Um, even if they reopened, they're not. They weren't expecting people to come back until the right. Regardless, That's the confidence, right? right? And so Amazon was just going to sit there like a Hoover and you know suck up all that revenue. Um, and this is a lingering issue. There's a technological change to the market um, that favors those businesses. So you think, although they're facing some antitrust legislation, so that may help smaller businesses if you know down the road. But for the right, Amy, to your point. How do you say retail? You know, uh, you know. Aside from the pandemic, it was being it was under assault from online um, sources. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the pandemic, people who are trying to be cautious, um, they're they're not trying to go out and go shopping. Um, I think most people, if you're an Asbury Park fan, you'd kind of prefer to go shopping in an Asbury Park type atmosphere rather than in an Amazon atmosphere where it shows up at your house. But, um, you know, again, that's the downfall of this particular crisis is you want to make sure that you're not exposing yourself so that you're not exposing your family to things. Um, So I understand that, but, and, and I've seen some of our businesses are doing um, porch drop-offs during the summer. You could order and drop and have it dropped off at your house, um, which is just another example of a pivot, but I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that once um, everybody is starting to feel a little bit more confident because there's the vaccine taking place. And as the weather 
um, warms up, that people will go back to um, to their to their habits of, of visiting their favorite Asbury Park shops. But like you said, Amy, you um you don't want just Restaurant Row. That's not going to attract. That's not going to attract um, the kind of 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 uh, the numbers, at least, that we've had in the in the first five years prior to this. We saw our numbers of visitors climbing and climbing very steadily. Um, but I don't think everybody comes here just to walk down a restaurant row. You go to a restaurant and you want to try lots of different ones and you'll come back several times, but you also want to be able to stroll and shop, look at the ocean, look at something new over here, um, go bowling. Like there's things that you can do in Asbury Park outside of eating, but eating is a great attraction. And then you want other things. It's got to be eclectic um, in order to sustain the kind of businesses that we've been um, blessed to have. Agreed. The hard part about so, retail is thinking, you know, none of us are the same size anymore. So if you go down to Interwoven, nobody, you can't, you can't shop at Interwoven online because who knows what the size, yeah. <laughs> Do you have round shirts? Just have a round shirt. <laughs> and, uh, Do you have an uh, uh, extra large onesie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Not for the kid, for me. You know, just like, so, uh, you know, poor, you know, uh, poor Bianca, nobody knows what their size they are anymore. So they, they, that's another struggle for online shopping. And she does the porch delivery and she's like killing, you know, killing it. But I'm like, you know, I, I don't even know what, you know, I've got three pairs of pants left. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I to, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Joe. So listen, Sylvia, we have to we have to start to wrap up. We have a, a minute or two left. So I just wanted to I wanted to go through a, a couple last minute things. If you could tell people, you know, one thing to do. What would it be to support our local businesses? Um, spend your money in our businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. That's what I say, Joe. Um, that's what, and and keep yourself healthy. Those are the yeah, things. I'm with you on that. And we then need to support our businesses and stay healthy and how, And how do we, as a community, help the chamber? Um, also, stay healthy because I need you. Um, we have plans for lots of things, um, and, and I'm hoping that when we can see everybody in 3D, our, um, our, our guests, our friends, our fans of Asbury will come back and do those things. But I would ask that you check out our social media and a little shout out to uh, Jen Stein over at Fortune Web. She's been keeping us so relevant on our Insta and our social media platforms. Have You're in, I have to say she's killing it on your Insta. I sent you a message and said, it I don't know who is running your Instagram, but she is killing uh, your Insta stories. And she's my, my vice president also. She's phenomenal. But check out our website. We just put up a page for things to do. Um, for Valentine's Day and any business can put whatever their special thing going on for Valentine's Day right up on our website and our website's getting tons of hits. Our social media is getting followed greatly. So please just keep doing that, pushing those things that will help my businesses and that will help us. If I have a healthy business community, then I am a happy, happy lady. And Sylvia, any any are you listening or watching anything that you or you would suggest any of our readers or our readers, our listeners, um, uh, start yeah, start watching start. It could be anything. I am I'm trying to think of what I'm listening to right now. Anyway, I don't have anything off the top of my head. You mean besides Zoe's playlist? (laughs) That is my thing. That is my guilty pleasure. Zoe's extraordinary playlist. And after every episode, I put all those songs right in my um my music playlist on my phone. And I'm the most all right. <laughs> I'm watching something on Apple TV about um Emily Dickinson. That's okay. And I don't know that I'd give it a rating review. We just started watching on YouTube something called Pasta Grannies. And it's a channel that it's a British. Uh, filmmakers started videotaping Italian grandmas in their 80s and 90s hundreds making pasta. And each really? episode is about 15 minutes. They're, they're no longer than, they're like 5 to 20 minutes at max. And there's like 300 episodes. And you just watch somebody's grandma make pasta. And it's the most uh, relaxing thing on, uh, <laughs> on the, 
well, we got rid of cable, so we we're, everything's on. We're all uh, everything's online now, so it's uh, surprisingly interesting. Um, you know, so if you're looking for something to watch that's not going to spend more than five or ten minutes, Pasta Grannies on YouTube is interesting. I'm writing that down because okay. Last question, Sylvia: place or person in Esbury Park that was here but is now gone? Um, that is your it favorite. could be anything. A showroom. Yeah. That, no, me too. Yeah, I, I love going to movies. I have to say this. Think about it. My heart hurts too. And I have to say, and I was said this when they were on the show that like for me, one, I don't have the world's longest attention span. And two, you know, my phone is off the hook with sometimes nonsense, but sometimes really important stuff. And my escape has always been a movie theater and, and their movie theater too, quite frankly. Um, so I know I feel bad talking about the grief I feel about them losing their business because I know yeah. they feel worse than I do, but I do feel like that was like a particular kick in the gut. Yeah, them and, and Vintage Subs was another one that just ripped my yeah. heart out. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was that he, he just, I mean, he just had a rough so much. year. I mean, yeah. he lost his partner. He just had a, had a rough, rough year. So anyway, thank so you to good. all of our li listeners. Sylvia, thank you for taking the time. I yeah, feel like the so hour, much. like, like thank legit you. flew by. Um, so thank you everybody. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Bye everybody. Bye-bye.